I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're joined again by my friend Nick Hall. Nick is Director of Financial Planning in Lutz Financial. Nick, could you remind the listeners, you know, what it is that you do? I guess we just were laughing about titles and, and, you know, what the roles are with those titles. So what is it you do again? Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Jack. You know, Lutz Financial itself, we're part of that overall Lutz umbrella. So we are a separate company for compliance purposes. Uh, We're a registered investment advisory firm. So we have to register with the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, and, you know, it's a little bit different than, you know, some of the other traditional business lines. We are on, this, are on a different floor and we have to have different locks for security purposes. But as a registered investment advisory firm, we are fiduciaries to our mm-hmm. clients, meaning we have to act in their best interest at all time, which is, you know, very different from the old broker model, which has a different standard, you know, a suitability standard. Our three business lines at Lutz Financial are, the biggest one would be investment advisory services. So we manage... You know, roughly about $1.8 billion for about 600. That's awesome. So, yeah, 600 or so high net worth households. So 1.8, you said? Didn't yeah. we? I feel like just a year ago we hit a billion. A couple of years ago, yeah, we hit a billion and it's been good growth. Both, you know, markets helped. Knock but, on wood. Uh, yeah, right. Markets <laughs> helped, but also a lot of new money in and a new business. So it's been good there. Secondarily, you know, we have a retirement to plan. We have a retirement plan division. Uh, yep. Chris Wagner and Austin Wells head up that group. They work with a lot of small business <clears throat> retirement plans, mostly 401ks. A couple endowments, uh, things like that. How's that been for them? Good, good. I think there's been, you know, there's been a lot of change in that industry the last five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it's migrating more towards a consultant-based model versus, you know, go back 15, 10, 15 years ago, it was a lot of insurance companies selling these products, charging a lot of high fees. They're structured such that they're fiduciaries as well. I, I think they're they're in a good sweet spot for where that industry is moving. So they've had a lot of growth in their department as well. And then, you know, the last service line that we offer is just financial planning for a, a flat fee. And I kind of liken it to a financial physical. So mm-hmm. you can go through an upfront plan. And, you know, frankly, that's how I like to, re- that's how I like to start with a new engagement or a new client because, it, in our, it helps me get to know them better, and it also is a good chance for them to test drive, you know, our planning process and see if they would want to become a an ongoing investment advisory services client. In which, you know, at that point, we just charge a flat fee based on the percentage a percentage of based on the assets that we manage. Right. Yeah, I was going to say just basis points on AUM, right? Yep, so. assets under management. Yep. So that's in a nutshell. Those are our three biggest. I mean, those are our three service lines down at Lutz Financial. So yeah, just like you know, the tech department, it's a non-traditional business line. But we're coming up on, I guess, Jim's started in 01. So Did he really? Yeah, 20 years now. Did he get brought on for that, for the purpose? Of, I mean, he got brought on for the purpose of Lutz Financial. Yeah, right? yeah. Much like a lot of the other business lines, you know, the accountants at the time understood that there's a need that their clients have and that wasn't being serviced probably the best way they felt that could, it could be serviced. And, 
you know, go back, oh, 2000, you probably, <laughs> this probably dates you, but go back 2000, 99, 2001, Enron, WorldCom, Tyco, a lot of these. See, I've only read about Enron in <laughs> yeah. a textbook. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> but a lot of these, a lot of these companies, you know, they had, there were scandals and everything like that. And some yeah. of these clients on the CPA side were coming to the accountants with their balance sheets and shambles. And they're like, there's got to be a better way instead of the old broker model where people were trying to pick stocks and, you know, buy and sell and right. uh, get in and get out. And, you know, a lot of people ended up getting burned. Level three was one here in Omaha where mm. a lot of people had exposure to that, but that's the, the impetus of how this all began, you know, 20 years ago, but it's, it's kind of, it's funny. It's come, it's 20 years already. And, you know, cause how long have you been with Flood Financial? I've, I've been here for eight years, which is hard to believe. Got it. Yeah. Have you been, so you've been eight years. God dang. Cause Lutz Tech is like, 10 years old yeah no there was about i think they were they were the only people on the second floor when i started yeah. <laughs> they were kind of, shove us down yeah, there that's yeah a good they're idea. like i always joked i think like lost was still on like they're like on the island downstairs yeah. that's but yeah crazy. i think there was 12 <clears throat> to 15 people in let tech at the time and then probably firm wide was maybe over 100 so wow. we're over 300 now i think yeah i mean i think busy season we have like what 360 or something yeah. 370 yeah and with the acquisitions and it's it's cool to see the growth that's crazy well i'm glad they've had me for eight years you know <laughs> yeah i guess yeah i made a, i made a comment to someone the other day i was like yeah i'll be around a while and they're like that's a bit presumptive right? I, like, I guess yeah <laughs> if i have anything to do with it i will but so today, I guess I don't even think I mentioned it in the intro, we're going to talk about student loans, whether, you know, good or bad or indifferent. It's it's a topic that I think is, well, A, it's culturally relevant because we've got people that are asking the government to forgive all student loans. And it's also, I think, just relevant in general because there's a lot of people that have student loans. I, myself, am, you know, a, a consumer of student loans. Did you, we were talking earlier before this, but you said that you had to take out some loans for school too, right? Yeah. Yep. I had loans for all four years you know there was it covered uh, so my grants and scholarships covered part of it but it right. didn't cover the full cost I went out of state so that's another reason why I picked up some loans and I think you know I see this with our clients I think it's not uncommon even for people that have the financial means mm -hmm. parents or even grandparents the financial means to pay for education they want to have they want the kids to have some sort of responsibility or skin in the game I guess you could say so we see that a lot where they will cover a portion. It could be tuition or room and board or a portion of each, um, but they want the kids to either, you know, work or try to improve their grades in high school, even during school and get grants or scholarships. And then if they can't, if that can't cover the full cost, then, you know, one of the, the other option is to probably take out loans. Right. Which, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do that, obviously, but primarily there's a few, you know, federally available loans. Could you talk through those a little bit, kind of what the differences are so that people, I mean, I'm sure people have seen it maybe in their payment portal or if people are in school right now, maybe you've seen it come through on, you know, your MyRed account or something or whatever it is at school, but there's, there's a few of them, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, no. Federal loans are probably the most common. There are what's called subsidized loans, which you know, that's that's the what people probably would typically associate with student loans. The nice benefit there is they're they're need based, so above and beyond what your family can provide, it's offered up to an extent, and so they would use income, available assets, 
you know, various other things when they, and as you go through this process when you're in high school, there's it's the FAFSA where you have to fill out all this financial information. And then that basically determines how much you would be eligible for on a subsidized basis. The nice thing with subsidized loans is that while you're still in school, and I believe it's only, you only have to be technically a half-time student, full-time obviously would be included in that, but those, the interest on those loans is deferred until the point when you're no longer a half-time student. So if you were to take a break or if you were to ultimately graduate, then the clock would start on the interest on those subsidized loans. Another benefit of those is it's that the rate is typically lower. You have what's also called those unsubsidized loans. That's not a, a need-based loan. So you mm-hmm. could take, if you were to apply for those, you could take that loan out a little bit higher interest rate. The other difference between that subsidized and unsubsidized loan is that interest basically starts from the point at which that loan is doled out. So if you were a freshman and you you took out a, you had a subsidized loan, partial amount was subsidized and partial was unsubsidized, your subsidized loan would be basically the interest is frozen until you, until you graduate and the unsubsidized loan, the the, the clock starts. So you can, what's basically called carry the interest or push the interest off until the point when you're starting to pay, you ultimately would pay more interest if you push off the interest on those unsubsidized loans until the point you retire or to retire until the point you graduate just getting started yeah yeah (laughs) until the point you graduate um you can pay it along the way most people probably do the the former where they're they're pushing it off until they're making payments when they're when they're graduating they're they're in the workplace and they have a wage Mm -hmm. so those are two big ones from a student standpoint i think you mentioned your parents the plus loans yeah the plus loans that that is a that is a loan that's actually allowed for the parents themselves it's not student is not the person responsible for those loans they can help you know if you don't get for whatever reason if you don't get subsidized loans because of financial reasons you're you're too well off i guess for purposes of getting those loans you can apply as a parent for these plus loans and really that's between you and and the government that's at that point and Mm -hmm. those are even you know in terms of Interest rates, think about it, subsidized the lowest, generally the lowest interest rate on subsidized, and then plus loans are even generally a little bit higher interest rate. And another purpose of plus loans is for graduate school. That's what I was going to yeah. mention, yeah, graduate yep. programs. Yeah, graduate programs. These first uh, subsidized and unsubsidized, we're talking about undergrad. Plus loans are, you know, they're... The amounts can be higher, obviously, with grad school. So those, the interest rate is is, is similarly higher than, than an undergrad subsidized or unsubsidized loan if you were to go back to grad school and need loans. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of view you in the lens of a uh, of an adult at that point. Just kind of an unemployed adult. Yeah. I think that's why you can, I mean, yeah. really you can, you know, hopefully. It's interesting because my, so my girlfriend right now, she's in graduate school at Creighton. And yep. so she's going through this entire process. And really, yeah, you do get viewed as an adult, right? Just as someone that could potentially be in the workforce, but you're not. You're making no income. So yep. I think the the financial assistance is a little bit, it, it's it's almost a little bit better I think mm-hmm. in some graduate situations, but yeah, and depending on the school, I mean, generally there a lot of times there's different endowments for undergrad and right and graduate school, and depending on the program, I mean, and what school we're talking about, they I've seen it where they're actually more willing to dole out money for graduate programs because if you think about it this way, 
and you endear yourself to, you give money to somebody that's in your program. And hopefully this person's ultimately going to be very successful down the road and they may pay it forward down mm-hmm. the road and give back to the school. So I think it's probably, it is different from mm-hmm. the amount of money that they would have for grants and scholarships on the undergrad versus the grad school route. Yeah. Let's get into the, um, you know, you graduate from college and, and, and you're out in the workforce. How do you think from your perspective as a financial planner, how do you approach, you know, that payment structure when you start paying off, how much and maybe a, a, a process you use for that? Yeah. And I, uh, gosh, this, it's been a while. I'm trying to remember. So I think how it works, I believe. So when you graduate undergrad, let's assume you go into the workplace right away. You're not going to graduate school. I think you get basically a six-month window or mm-hmm. probationary period before you have to start paying those. That's correct, yep. Um, and know that each state, when when you're issued these loans, they treat each year differently. So mine, and luckily enough, just for like simplicity, mine are all with the same... Provider. Yeah, they're all with the same servicer. Servicer, And yep. so I, mine are all through Nelnet. Nelnet. Now yep. it's four separate loans, right? Yep. So it's, yep. but it's all in one dashboard and so I know exactly where they're at and that's, it pays off the first one first of course so I got FIFO yep yeah that's uh that's how I think I, I was at Nelnet too yeah uh, they were the service provider there was one I think my first year where it was actually more it was a direct through a federal program to like Fannie Mae or yeah something. and this is pre I think we were talking about this is pre 08 09 so it was now you're different. dating yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no I think a lot of times that's, that's really nice that you have it all on one dashboard super helpful but so you were saying so basically they're four different if you had subsidized loans and you had let's just say you had just subsidized loans you have four years you have your freshman sophomore junior senior year depending upon how much you needed and it can also depend upon what tuition does mm-hmm. so you could have more you have to, you might have to take more out your senior year versus your freshman year depending on the program or depending on if you switch schools or i mean you name it, it could be a, a number of different things right so one thing to look at, I would say, so you you know, we get back, getting back to the initial question, you have six months to basically kind of set yourself up. I think that's a good time to understand from a budget standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, it all goes back to budgeting. budgeting all of budget. these conversations. Yeah. No, it, it's a huge thing with, with younger people when they're getting out of school. Because think about it this way, it's to a lesser degree. You're not an athlete where you go from nothing to millions of dollars, but you're making more and you have more than you probably ever had. Right. You have a lot more disposable income to use, but you have to, I always say, figure out the budget, figure out your fixed expenses. That can be utilities, rent, a car payment, things like this. I would view lo- loans as, as a fixed expense. Certainly. Uh, so that's that's something that has to, that's come and due every month. Those first six months will kind of give you an idea of, hey, this is how this is going to work from a, a net paycheck standpoint. But this is what I should probably set aside. And they'll give you, no net, was any of those providers will give you what the minimum amount you should pay mm-hmm. that is required of you to pay every month starting those six yep. months after graduation. But because they're treated on an individual basis, a lot of times, and you may have seen this and other people may have seen this, they're, they're different interest rates. They are. Tied, four different interest yeah, rates. Yeah, tied to each one of those loans because they're, they're treated as separate loans. And now if you have, in our example, we just had subsidized loans. If you each year you had subsidized a portion and unsubsidized technically it's going to be eight line items or eight different loans right and going back to what we said before those unsubsidized loans are going to carry a little bit higher rate of interest Mm -hmm. so start with you know hey how much 
am I required to pay every month? Work that within your budget and, and see how that fits. And then if there's some additional amounts to pay, you know, I always go back to prioritizing cash flow for, for younger people. And one thing that I would say that would probably go first is you got, most people probably have a retirement plan through work now, 401k like Lutz does, where the employers are going to match a certain percentage. That's free money to you. I tell people to do up to at least the point at which your employer matches. Right. A lot of times it's phrased like if you contribute, for example, if you contribute 6%, the employer will contribute at 50% up to that 6%. So they'll give you a 3%. That's you know, if you're making coming out of school, if you're making fifty grand, that's fifteen hundred dollars of free money every year right. that you're leaving on the table if you don't do that. Absolutely. That that work that in your budget as a they, this is an absolute that I need to be doing. And it's an easy one to have already just taken out, right? Yep, I mean, as yep. long as you're as long as you're not riding that line where you're just like I I need that cash, which hopefully you can find it in your budget to minimize that cash somewhere else. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things right out of your paycheck, not even seeing it. No, it never hits your bank account. It's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, and that that's sort of a forced savings. So first and foremost, I would do that. Then, you know, I tell people and, and, and younger clients and kids of clients, I, I tell them, hey, you know, for 401k, but then really start looking at your high interest debt. And when I say high interest, I'm probably saying anything above, you know, six or seven percent. Yep. I go back and I remember, you know, I, similar to you, I had different rates. And the last couple of years, I believe, and this is probably for a while there, some of the, the rates were on the federal level, even on subsidized loans, were 6.8 percent. They have a cap on them. Jeez. Uh, so they're almost seven percent. Mine are like three. Yeah. No, that's awesome. and that's just a, a kind of a timing difference. Yeah. Rates are much lower than they were then, so I, I think, and I think part of it was trying to. Uh, they didn't. There was a lot of uncertainty with during sure. 08 and 09, so they they jacked up the rates on some of these loans, unfortunately. But it is what it is. I mean, they're those rates are higher, right? Mm-hmm. So I would. Not all of these loans are treated equally, whether that be subsidized or unsubsidized, because they're they're at different rates. Right. If you're looking to start paying an additional amount above and beyond the minimum every month, that's where I would look and say, hey, let's try to tackle this highest interest rate first, right. i.e. the 6.8ers or the 6% versus the 3 or the 3.5 or the 4%. Because I think even when I, my four years, I think my difference between the rates was, uh, the lowest I believe was like 3.5, the mm-hmm. highest was 6.8. If you can set it up automatically where you can say, hey, I want this to come from, you know, uh, an auto pay from your bank and it just pays the minimum. If you're doing more than the minimum, one thing to, to kind of keep in mind that I always caution people as, a, as they walk through this, if you just basically say, hey, I want to pay an additional $100 a month to these loans, it's going to do a pro rata. It will actually not pick the highest interest rate loan to, to apply that additional $100 of principal to. So you have to actually probably go in there and say, and select hey, which one. yeah, I want this to go to my freshman year loan when this rates were 6.8 and not, right. not my senior year loan when they were three and a half. Does that make sense? Yep. So they won't, they won't automatically help you there. If your rate is all the same, it doesn't necessarily matter as much. One thing I also you know, talk to people, there's a, there's a mental side of this where it's, I call it the snowball effect. But if you if you're you know, you, know you, you said this you have four different loans if you have four eight different loans and one of your loans is a lesser amount and I'm only five hundred dollars away 
mentally, I mean, it sometimes helps and it you know, gives you maybe more confidence. This is, hey, maybe I just, for the next couple of months, instead of, you know, if the rate, even if the rate's 1% less than the highest rate loan, maybe I pay off this $500 remaining balance and just knock this one out. So I've gotten one done. Totally. And, and I get some momentum and it, I call it and you get the snowball effect. Basically, you're just building up momentum and the snowball going down the hill. I mean, you... you That's you, a big Dave Ramsey idea, isn't it? It, it probably is. I think yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've, I'm not, I don't know that he's patented that, but... But it's about the, I mean, it's yeah. about the, 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 the it, mental wins, right? Yeah, I it's, mean, it's a mental win for sure. And, and, and rates, you know, I'll say the rates be damned there where it's percent more on the other one and but it's a much higher balance let's right. get let's knock out this really low balance one first right and then maybe go back to that that highest interest rate loan for any additional principal that you may be paying onto it well one thing i would say too is backing up way before even in that six month period is assessing your loans right because yep. i know that i don't think everyone's as fortunate to have it in such a simple clean dashboard with the same provider same servicer yeah and so one thing i think is sit down look at where all understand where all your loans are currently and as as quickly as you can get it into one payment to one servicer the better yeah and so you could just mathematically look at your interest rates and who they're with and figure out what your your you know your net interest rate is across those because you can sometimes you know consolidate to one servicer for Mm -hmm. potentially lower interest rate yep no definitely and and for those people that are you know the the 6.8 percent back in I know 11, 10, 11, 12, 13 probably was when those rates were a little bit higher than they yeah. are today. I, I looked at the subsidized rate for 21, 22 for a loan is closer to about 3.75. Okay. So obviously much, much better than it was 10 years ago. I, I think, you know, and, and this goes, I think this, we, we had a, we did a podcast on mortgage interest and mm-hmm. I, in my mind, mortgage debt, it's fixed. It's a fixed rate. Mm-hmm. If you get a mortgage for 3% or less on a 30 year right now, which is kind of where it's at 15 year, even less than that. That's good debt. I don't necessarily know that I would rush out and pay prepay a lot of loans. That's kind of where I am on mine. Yeah. Right. Because mine are all minor within two and a, between two and a half to three and a half. And I'm yeah. like, that's just, I, I just have that included on my, that's my part of my budget is my fixed expense. That is my loan payment. Yep. Nope. And that's, and when we talked about prioritizing cash flow, I think go back and, and you, you mentioned this and we'll probably get to this here in a little bit, but I, I think as we look at that, that sequence, definitely do the 401k, pay your high interest loans first and mm-hmm. knock out some of those above six or 7% is what I would call high, high interest. Yep. Certainly if you have credit cards, don't carry an 18 or 24%. APR, uh, don't carry a balance on that, pay those off monthly. Yep. But then, then we go down to probably looking at contributing additional amount to your 401k and or saving to something like a Roth IRA. And and as part of that, before you get there, and you, you mentioned this, building up an emergency fund. Absolutely. So probably even before the Roth and the additional 401k contributions, build up a for young people, three months is probably a good number. That's been so, I can't tell you how, how positive that's been for me mentally. Well, is just getting to the place. Yeah, oh peace my of God. mind. Yeah. yeah. But three months. And so if you, good, the, the, it goes back to your budget. So if you know that I have a fixed amount of, I'll use 3000 a month or 3000 a month. If I know that that's what's, you know, not including my discretionary for travel right. and that type of stuff that I have to pay every month. That's three months worth at three thousand is nine thousand dollars. If you can get something like that, nine thousand dollars in an emergency savings, yep. FDIC bank account, high interest 
money market that's liquid, that's gonna, like you said, give you a lot of peace of mind and you're not gonna have to sell anything from a, a brokerage account or you're right. not gonna have to take a loan from a 401k should you need to fix the, the, the car or if you eventually buy a house, should you need to you know, fix the air conditioner or something along those lines, you can pull from that emergency savings and not have to disrupt your long-term uh, right. portfolio, your retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. So I think you had asked about you know refinancing options or maybe you're, that's kind of where this was going. Yeah. Federal loans, one nice thing about that, not like anybody's ever planning to, but if you were to pass away, they are forgiven. That, that is one of the, the stipulations. There are private providers. Banks would be a common one. Some banks are probably less likely to get into the student loan business anymore because these numbers are so big anymore and probably the default risk is a little bit higher if you have a younger person and mm -hmm. with huge amounts of payments every month that they're needing to make. But there are providers, SoFi, is a really good one. I was so, going to mention SoFi. Yeah. The one you see so, all the time. SoFi, you'll see those on the commercials. Uh, mm -hmm. Earnest is another one. Discover is another one. <clears throat> These are private companies that are in the loan buying business. So they will help you much like if you were to refinance a house. Like you said, if you have three or four different providers and a bunch <clears throat> of different rates, one of the easiest ways to get your mind around that is to get one payment and consolidating those to a, a, a single provider. Generally, you can get pretty good rates. They're going to want to look much like if you're applying for a loan for a mortgage. They're going to look at your your income, your tax returns, financial statements to make a decision whether or not you would be a good a good basically a borrower in their in their eyes. But they can give you pretty competitive rates. One difference there, though, if you do move to a private lender. In the same type of scenario, let's say you had $100,000 of loans that you had at multiple different, that were federal loans that you had at multiple different servicers, per se, mm -hmm. uh, and you moved it over to a SoFi and you reduced your rate, which great, you have one payment now, you have a, you have a lesser rate, you're going to save yourself interest over the life of the loan. That is not forgiven in, in, uh, if you were to pass right. away. So as a kind of a reminder, and, and these loans, these numbers can get big. When we're talking about grad school, you know, law school, med school. Absolutely. These can get in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So one thing I do, if you do uh, have a private provider, one thing I would probably recommend is to pick up an additional amount of life insurance. Sure. On your life, in the, especially if you have a spouse and or even if you don't, I mean, your family or someone would be on the hook for paying, making those payments. Or I mean, large sums of money yeah. too. Yeah, big sums <clears throat> of money. So if you had a spouse, maybe having getting an additional $250,000 term policy, a 10, 20 year term policy to help pay that loan off should you unexpectedly pass away. In addition to kind of your probably normal amount of insurance that we would recommend. But that's one that's one that people don't think about. Hey, if you go to a private provider versus federal, federal, they forgive loans. If you're materially, if you're uh, catastrophically disabled, you can't work, they're gonna, there's a forgiveness program for that. Also, if you pass away, there's a forgiveness pro program where you're not, you're not, your family or your spouse or your kids are not on the hook for that. So let's talk about that a little bit, forgiveness or, yeah. you know, especially in context of, of COVID and the pandemic and everything. And I know that the government, you know, the government stepped in and helped out with, with payments on, on student loans throughout the last two years. But say they don't do that. Say you run into a situation where you can't pay off your loan or, I mean, how, how flexible are 
some of these programs and what are some of the options that you have? Yeah, I think there's, if you get into a hardship type scenario where you, you know, you have, maybe it's a shorter term disability or you lose your job or something along those lines and you're not able to make these payments readily there, you can apply for a forbearance, mm -hmm. which is during COVID for the last, gosh, what is it? 18, 20 months. They, they, everybody's been in this four blows my mind. I yeah. the other day I was like, God, I can't believe, you know, this whole last year has been, I was like, no, it's two years. It's almost coming on two years ago that yeah. COVID started. Yeah, no, it is. And so it's been in a, like a, 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 basically a, a mandated forbearance mm -hmm. where the nice thing in forbearance is they're going to, they're going to freeze the interest 0% right now during COVID. And this has probably been a good time for people to reassess. Let's build up an emergency fund. Maybe I'm saving an additional amount, like I said, to the 401k or yep. to Roth IRAs, or you know, you, you could take the ever, somebody may have taken the other route and they're spending more, right? This is probably kind of a, hey, we're, we're two months out from this, basically the, the flip, the, the switch being flipped back on and being re these payments required again. Yep. So it's probably a good wake up call to say, hey, if I if I haven't been saving more or building up an emergency fund or say putting money away for a house or something along those lines, it's being and it's been getting spent. Let's re look at my budget because. Now I'm going to have 250 or 350 I'm making up numbers. Or if you've been doing, you know, let's say you've been taking that 300 400 $500 that would be a student loan and you've been contributing to a fund or 401k or yep. something and you have been saving it, now is a good time to flip that back. Or, you know, or at to, least look at other places you could cut down to yeah, kind of exactly. to, to, to start making this payment again. Yep. Yeah, there is a process basically to go to apply for a, I, I call it like a hardship forbearance yep. um, if you're not able to make the payments. and. And they, I think there are temporary things where you can reduce the required payment. Granted, your amount of interest when that happens is over the life of the loan is going to be higher right. because you're paying less and less towards principal than you would be on the original amount. Yep. But it's kind of I don't view that as a uh, as a long term solution. It's more of a temporary band aid. Well, I and, mean, and, and I don't and I and I when I tell people don't don't plan that the government's going to forgive all these loans you no, know there, yeah, there's rumors out there saying hey they're going to give for forgive 50,000 or 100,000 you know i wouldn't probably plan on that i'd, I'd probably and and f frankly for young people this is one of the best ways to build up credit mm -hmm. is if you have an on-time servicing or payment schedule and you, you make payments for x number of years and you pay off loans that's going to look really really good when you're going to buy a car you're going to buy a house that's one of the best ways to build we'll set up an automatic payment on it yeah. right if you yeah. budget it and set up the automatic payment then you can yeah. set it and forget it and to your point then you're yeah. just constantly showing a payment schedule of consistency yeah no that's a, that's a big one <laughs> and some people if you have hundred thousands of hundred thousand dollar loans some people are, are kind of uh, the conspiracy theorists and that hey this is going to be forgiven if you think that's the case, or maybe you, maybe you leave a, one of the loans back. If you're if if you're refinancing to a, a private company, like a SoFi, that's something that that SoFi is not. They're they're in the business to make money, right? Right. They're not going to forgive your loans. Oh, no, exactly. So if you think that there is a chance that you know you had a hundred thousand dollars in the loans, let's just assume it's twenty five thousand each for the four loans. Yep. Maybe you leave one of them out there on the federal side, and. You obviously would continue to pay that and probably, like you said, do auto payments, but you leave it out there in the in the event that down the road they, they allow a certain amount or to be forgiven on a federal basis because 
that loan would be your SoFi's or your Ernest or your Discovers or your Wells Fargo if they that they have, if you have the loan through them, they're not gonna give you out charity. They're, no, they're they're in the business for making money. Yeah, right, yeah. right. One thing, and this doesn't really have anything to do with student loans, but you know, it's funny that every year that I've been out of college now, which it's been, I can't four years. We've been out of school for four years. You're not that old. That's oh. crazy. I know. It's still crazy. Hey, to, I mean, it still feels kind of kind of weird. That's right. You were saying, what were you saying, 2008? Yeah, were, it... you, were you born even, were you born the last time the Braves won the World Series? 95? <laughs> was it 95? Yeah. I was born the year before. All right. So you, you were alive the last time. It's been a long 26 years. <laughs> when were years you born? 88. So it's been, a, yeah, it's been a lot, long 26 years for Braves Are fans. you a Braves fan or no? Yeah. Oh, you are? Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. fun. No, it's... Uh, uh, but yeah, so going back to that, I mean, it's, uh, I don't even know. What well, we're I was just going to say that one thing, you know, every year that I'm out of school, I wish I would have known in college when I was, when I thought I was rolling in cash for being a bartender that I would have saved it. You know, yeah. if I would have left with a little bit more cash in my pocket, I mean, I'm, you know, now it's whatever it is, what it is, got a career and, and, you know, but if anyone's out there listening and they're, and they find themselves in school and they're bartending, save some of that cash. Cause you know, your future self will thank you. No, that's a good point. I mean, and if you have some extra above and beyond what you're paying for rent or yeah, or, or tuition or extra payments or books, anything like that, having that, kind of building that up to have some of that uh, that dry powder, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. to, to throw at some of these loans or the, the 401k when you get out is a huge deal. Absolutely. Because, I mean, um, every payment you can get rid of, right? Like, I'm yeah. excited next year I'll have my car paid off in, like, October. Fired up about that, yeah, right? That's, that's another $300 a month that I'll be able to do what I need to do with it. Yeah, I mean, and the best – and when I work with clients, the people that are the best budgers and the best savers are ones that when you have that payment – Basically, that that goes away. You paid it off. Let's reallocate it to another right. balance sheet item, whether that be the four hundred one k or high, higher interest loans, or for house savings, or you name it. Or at the very least, take a portion of it, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's not like you got. Oh, now I have another three hundred bucks a month in my pocket. So it's to not blow. just found money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like okay, no, it's still gone yeah. out of mind, but it's in positive places. Yeah, you know, increasing yeah. my net worth. Yeah. Anything else? Any other resources, ideas, topics that you wanted to mention? I mean, we've been talking for quite a while now. I th- we've covered a lot of stuff. You know, I think the big thing is that this all kind of goes back to figure out what your rates are. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, figure this is a big the prior. Simplify. Yeah, simplify right. it, prioritizing your cash flow, knock out those that, that high interest, those loans, the above six percent, I'll call it. The other the two, like you said, the two and a half to three and a half, Jack, that, those are those are good loans. I wouldn't right. be in a hurry to pay those off too quickly because you're there's probably you can probably do better over the long term in a four hundred one K or a Roth IRA or a right. brokerage account over a long period of time and your money's probably better spent putting asset more towards those accounts versus paying off a, a loan. Well, let's explain that to people a little bit because whenever, because I've mentioned this to people before when I yeah. say that's good debt and they're like, well, I don't quite, that's just because it's cheap. It's like, well, yeah, it's cheap, but but if you could take instead of, let's say you have a $300 a month payment that, for, for your loan, that's your minimum. You have yep. to pay that. Instead of taking $100 more on top of it and putting it towards a 2.5% loan, yep. you can take that 100 bucks, put it in a, in, a, in a money market account or something and potentially make yeah. more than that 2.5% two, two Correct. Yeah, yeah. Money markets and cash right now aren't paying a ton, so I think you're probably foregoing some sure. of, to build up that emergency savings. But 401k, there's just I a mean, brokerage yeah, account, brokerage rather, account or a 401k. Yeah. I mean, yep. You could get seven, eight, nine, ten percent annually. 
you're borrowing at two and a half percent and you're putting money at something that's earning eight, nine, ten percent, right? You're coming out ahead, right? right? You're you're using the ability to borrow funds from the government or a SOFI or whatever at only two and a half percent, you're taking cash flow that you're gonna earn much more than that two and a half percent. Over the long run, you're gonna be way off. Yep. You're gonna be better off. Yep. Sometimes it's a mental thing. Like I said, that snowball effect, if you're closer to paying off one of the loans and you've got some excess cash in a, in a bank or a money market, maybe you take $500 and pay it off from a mental accounting standpoint, that that feels good, right? Especially like you talked about the- Absolutely. Uh, the, the car payment, Think, getting these payments- Even that, at like four or five, I think it's like a 5%. Yeah. car you know car loan but it's one of those things where i'm like you know what it's so close i'm just i'm thinking about just doing it right yeah. now yeah but no well you know i appreciate you sitting down to talk I, I i really do you know i think that these kinds of conversations are valuable especially for anybody that thinks that this this next step after school is confusing and they don't know what to do with their loans it's you know a figure out where they're all at figure out what your rates are yeah one consolidate. other yeah one other thing on the forgiveness side that I forgot to mention mm-hmm. uh, there's what's called a public service loan forgiveness program you see it a lot of times for hospitals you know VA nonprofits if you were to have, and I'll give an example, uh, if you're a doc at the VA or you're at a hospital that's a nonprofit, you can, if you pay loans for 120 months, which is 10 years, you, you, you make your on-time payments, and these could be, it could be large numbers for these people in med school or even you could call it law school if you're at a nonprofit, but if you make those payments for a consecutive 10 years, they're, and they actually counted COVID during this, so they counted this as, as payments, as towards really? those 10 years. Nice. But if you do that, you're, what you're, you're probably you're probably giving up some income, right? I mean, you're at a nonprofit, you're probably not making as much as you normally could elsewhere in a private sector. Mm-hmm. But they, they if you apply for this and are granted, there is a chance that under this uh, PSLF program, Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, that they'll wipe out all of your loans after a 10-year period. Yep. So the max amount of time you'd be paying is that 10 years, yep. and then and then it's gone. So that where I say don't don't think that the I wanted to basically kind of just highlight the difference there. Because don't don't assume that the government's going to forgive it. Well, right. under this program, it's a little bit different. I mean, you're signing up for that. You're working in a nonprofit space to be able to have those loans forgiven potentially well, at the end of 10 years. That's one thing that my girlfriend and I have talked about because she, you know, we've come across that and, yeah. and she's seen that. And, and, you know, of course, sitting there, she still has, gosh, I don't know, a year, year and a half left of school. And so it's like, gotta, it'd be awesome if you find a job, a or find a job at a nonprofit. B, find a job at a nonprofit that you enjoy. C, find a job at a nonprofit that you enjoy that you work at for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a lot of things to no, go right. No, but. it is, and it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> fit for everybody. But yeah. there are some things within play that are that are within the rules yep. that you can potentially use at your disposal. So just be be informed. Use the six months probationary period. I call it after you graduate undergrad to kind of assess. Mm-hmm. what your payments are going to be, set up auto payments, look at the interest rate on the loans. If you're paying more um, in principle every month or periodically, have it go towards those higher interest rate loans versus the lower interest rate loans because mm-hmm. they're not automatically going to do it on an auto payment. Right. And, you know, use you know, any more. Google's a great resource. Right? Absolutely. You can look a lot of this stuff up online that you probably didn't have at your disposal 20, 30 years ago. There's a lot more information out there. And you can ask the SOFIs and, and look and see what it would, if you were to 
try to refinance privately and use all the resources at your disposal. Cool. Cool. Well, Nick, I, I, I do enjoy talking to you about this. Hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, that was great. Thanks for having me today. You bet. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.